my look is my perspective. I'm looking at the total season. I'm looking at, you know, the things that we can accomplish, the things that I want to accomplish. I feel like we have a great team, you know, especially from where I started, from where we started year one to year four now. Got a lot of great pieces. Offensively, this is the best offense I've been a part of since I've been in the league. And my impact on those guys, all I'm trying to do is make everybody better. And I think I would say I do that every day. These guys know, you know, I lead by example. This year also, more vocally, getting more comfortable with these guys. It's Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, on the latest edition of the Cardinals' own production flight plan. They do a tremendous job on it, but talking about the expectations for this season. And, yeah, I mean, Kyler's absolutely right. When he talks about uh, the quality of the offense and the quality of the personnel around him from year one in 2019 till uh, year four in 2022, uh, offensively, um, even with the challenge of not having DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks mm-hmm. and the faith and confidence that this organization has now bestowed upon Kyler Murray yeah. financially, mm-hmm. uh, the sky should be the limit. Well, yes, and I think we're all hoping on that. We're all kind of banking on that. We all think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I've been tremendously impressed at just the little changes in Kyler Murray socially, just how he conducts himself. He seems to be kind of be growing up before our very eyes, and I think that bodes very well. But I do think that there's still a lot of people who look at his game and wonder exactly Exactly. Can he finish the job? Can he can he get to the top of the ladder? There are young guys in football right now that I think there are questions on. There's questions on Zach Wilson and the Jets. There's question on Justin Fields with the Bears. Uh, even though I think he's going to be good, there's there's questions on who is Ryan Tannehill, who is Kirk Cousins. I mean, the Vikings they're they're saying, "Oh, you're going to see a different Kirk Cousins now that that icky Mike Zimmer is in here." Yeah. That's the way it goes, right? Kyle Brandt kick, uh, picked Kirk Cousins to win the MVP this year. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's quite something. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. But I, um, you're right. There there are questions about Kyler Murray's game still. There are still lingering questions, even though the Cardinals have made that financial commitment to him, which, which, isn't, which isn't the case with a guy like... Like, you look at Justin Herbert and Chargers fans, they're like, that kid is it. Most people look at him and go, that kid is it. People look at Kyler Murray and they see the they see the breakdown physically and they see the the just the lack of the pocket skills. There's a lot of people who firmly believe that if you can't beat defenses with your brain and from the pocket, if your first instinct is to tuck the ball and run and rely on your athleticism, then you're going to eventually struggle in this league. Mm-hmm. And that's that that to me is kind of the lane Kyler Murray's and I think he's going to get there personally. But I, there there is skepticism and there's reason for it. We we all saw the playoff game he put on the field in Los Angeles and it was very jarring because this kid has had nothing but an amazing history of success. Well, that was the, the a very disappointing end to a season where these two paths of questions about Kyler Murray kind of intersected and the question about all right, is he is he ready as a player? Because he did look skittish. He looked scared, unprepared, whatever word you want to use. We've seen it uh, over and Wasn't over again. Seeing the field didn't. But, yeah, yeah. But in that same game, there were you know that that other storyline, and and I think more people around football, Bick, have questions about Kyler Murray as a leader as opposed to an athlete slash quarterback. He also talked about that in, in the episode of Flight Plan, growing as a leader. 
and what that style of leadership happens to be for him personally. Having that time put in with guys, learning learning everything about each other and all that stuff, you know, it takes some time to, to build relationships like that. So I think for me it's a lot easier knowing who I'm talking to, knowing how to deal with them from a total team perspective. They know what they're going to get out of me. You know, uh, they know I'm going to go hard every time I touch the field. I'm going to get everything I got. And they can count on me. That's my mentality. Every time I touch the field, I'm, I want to be the best. I want to win. And I feel like that rubs off on everybody else, whether that was your mentality before you played with me or whether, you know, when you step on the field with me, like, you're confident, you know, 100% confident that we're going to win the game. That's the type of confidence I have in myself. And I believe the culture has shifted. The culture has changed since you know since i got here yeah the questions about the leadership come from the outside you've never i to my recollection you never heard players that he plays with questioning it because you know that would be irresponsible for that to get out mm-hmm. but your eyes tell you a lot when it comes to leadership when things go wrong how are you holding yourself Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is not the uh, the only recent example of a Phoenix athlete who's had bad body language, and you can read their mood just by the way they're holding themselves. I remember talking about that with Marquise Chris early in his career, a guy that the Suns were counting on to develop, and man, that guy had woeful body language yeah, on the floor. Terrible. Yeah, it, you just could tell the mood. Mm-hmm. Kyler's got to work on that too, because that's that is in the realm of leadership, the yes. controlling your emotions so you don't make your so you lift you continually lift your teammates up. And that you continue to, to shoulder responsibility. It's like you see it. The smart quarterbacks are trained when they throw a deep ball and the receiver falls down or drops it or or makes a mistake. The, 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 the quarterbacks who throw up their hands and shrug their shoulders and roll their eyes, that's not leadership. That's, it, it, that's something where you as the quarterback, you've got to protect your guys and, and not make it seem like you're always pointing the blame elsewhere. And it, whether it's fair or not, it's just part of the job, and the really great quarterbacks understand that. Kurt Warner got that better than anybody, mm-hmm. that it's my fault. But, but Kurt, I'm the one that it's my fault. Don't worry, it's my fault. Yeah. And you just roll like that. And and I think I, Kyler Murray isn't at that point, but he's a heck of a lot better than he was. He also addressed somewhat you know, the whole offseason flap with the independent study addendum and and what that did to his reputation and and what that could continue to do uh but um he, he kind of chalks it up to having a winning mentality i know nothing different that's the thing like you know i don't you can't play this position and not have that type of mentality i mean you just set yourself up for failure but you know this is this is what i've dreamed of doing lead you know leading the organization to the super bowls well, obviously we haven't been there yet so I'm going to continue to strive for that. And like I said, we win one, I will continue to strive for another one. But that's just my mentality. Regardless of all the stuff that was said, uh, all the stuff that I dealt with this offseason, my main mission is to is to win Super Bowls, play this game that I love. So I'm ready to go now. We'll find out. We will find out because, again, we, we, we've talked about it. I think it's been the juiciest story in mm-hmm. Phoenix all season long, and that even includes the, the Suns' meltdown in Game 7 against Dallas. The inclusion and removal of that independent study clause, is that still going to be an issue when this season is over? Yeah. An issue for people who can point to it and say, see, right. they were right. Yeah, I think either the money is so big and so and and so 
inspiring to Kyler Murray that he's willing to kind of forget all that, or maybe the organization has pivoted and kind of done a hey, listen, our bad man, we didn't we didn't know it was going to be a big deal, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so, and again, I think you know, once yeah, once those checks start rolling in for Kyler. Yeah, it's not like after that story broke, there was a flood of NFL players coming out and saying, hey, I have that in my contract, too. Nobody's admitting to that. No, (laughs) that's true. That's a good point. Coming up next, we'll have an edition of NFL hash marks filled with clerical errors, trips to Florida and good old fashioned friendship. We'll tell you more about it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. As you guys have seen, because of the release of our depth chart, Mitch Trubisky is our starting quarterback and our captain. Um, man, we're just really comfortable with what Mitch has shown us. Um, he's a guy that came to us with with franchise quarterback experience, if you will. He's comfortable in those shoes. He's been the focal point of a football team and organization before. He's had success in doing so. Like I mentioned when we acquired him, he took the Bears to the playoffs two out of four years. He has a winning record as a starting quarterback. Uh, those things were attractive to us. Uh, his athleticism and mobility were attractive to us. But then again, he's just a temporary solution. Uh, he didn't say that. Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, on uh, that was quite the glowing endorsement of Mitchell Trubisky. And people do forget that he did lead the Bears to the playoffs twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like 100 years ago, Yeah, even though it's been in the last five years. He's the starter. The funny note coming out of Pittsburgh yesterday is uh, when, when we discussed it, was like, wow, that's kind of an interesting move. Trubisky's the starter. Okay, that makes somewhat, uh, somewhat uh, a bit of sense. But to have Mason Rudolph listed as the number two quarterback and Kenny Pickett, your prized draft pick, uh, first round pick at number three to start the season. Mm-hmm. It opened up all these theories about what could be happening. Are they getting Mason Rudolph ready for a trade? Are they keeping things in check? Is it is just more mastery by the Pittsburgh Steelers, an organization that knows what they're doing? Nope, they screwed up. It was a cut and paste clerical error, <laughs> and they didn't mean to put Rudolph at number two. <laughs> wow, how about that? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's hilarious. Again, yeah, I think it's kind of funny too. Or, or you never know. You never know, right? You know, maybe this kid's agent said, "Come on, man, this kid was fighting for a starting job. You're going to make it seem like he's not even." The, yeah, you never know. But, I, but I do agree that if this were just a clerical error, I wasted a lot of time and breath yesterday on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Okay. Um, he did talk about uh, Kenny Pickett, though. Really pleased with the growth and development of Kenny. That's why he's listed as number two. Um, I thought his acceleration of, of development really took off once we stepped into stadiums and once we start stepping into stadiums. Um, his decision-making, the fluidity of it, um, his competitive spirit, um, his, pin, his pinpoint accuracy, all of those things, I thought, really came to the forefront once we started coming into stadiums and I thought that he grew and grew um, at, at a really fast pace once we got into stadiums. And I also think it's reasonable to expect that growth and development to continue as we push into the regular season. Yes, but did his hands grow? Mm-hmm. Remember that storyline? Yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett was outstanding in the preseason. Yeah. And again, I just think it's a it's a matter of clerical error think, or not. It's a matter, matter of time. time. I agree with that. I, I do think with the, the premise that I believed in and, and espoused yesterday, I think is really still true that they're going to give Mitchell Trubisky the start and it'll be up to him to get the train going but how long he's the conductor is probably 
You know, <laughs> it's probably the same with Trey Lance in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in New England, the mm-hmm. Patriots aren't in New England. They already left for their Sunday game. How about this? They go down to Miami on Tuesday for a Sunday game, all because of their history and traveling down to New England. Bill Belichick said on WEEI Radio, I think it'll just give us a good chance to just focus on the game, getting ready for the opening game and get acclimated to the conditions, whatever they end up being down there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like coffee. The uh, Yeah, that's good. He, uh, I, I think that Bill Belichick has suffered some of his most humiliating regular season losses in Miami. And, and I think he's looking at this going, okay, that, that talk about swampy and, and sweltering. Yeah. And, the, uh, the forecast for Sunday in Miami, 90 degrees, oh. humidity around oh. 70. Oh. And, the, and the Patriots are two and seven in their last nine yeah. trips down there. That, that's why. That's why. I mean, listen, you remember the Kenyon Drake game that beat the Patriots, the Ryan Fitzpatrick game that beat the Patriots. There have been a couple times when they've gotten bit. In South Florida. And and I'll tell you what, those kind of days that you just mentioned, somebody who spent a ton of time in Florida, that is disgusting weather. Ugh. Disgusting. Do you think Bill Belichick pulls out the Panama hat that and like the white funny. linens for would Miami? Be funny. Yeah. Oh, he's still going to have the cut off hoodie sleeves. <laughs> Even in 90 degrees and 70% humidity. That's he cuts the sleeves off. I can't. <laughs> it's cool. It's like air conditioning. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, I mean, the last nine trips to Miami, the Patriots are two and seven. That was with some Super Bowl caliber teams. Yeah, they might have left two weeks ago and not got acclimated. I just don't know if they have the talent. I mean, not well, that Miami's I, yeah, a, I don't, a world beater, but if if you as an organization have trouble playing, team. yeah, they, I, I think so too. Yeah, I now, think, there's a lot of questions about Tua, but everywhere else, I think they're better. Well, and that that's that to me is the key matchup. I do believe that Tua Tungavailoa is going to be good this year, but but there's nobody better in the NFL at kind of putting young quarterbacks in a headlock, and and I would still put Tua in that range as a quarterback that could be exposed by a guy like Bill Belichick. Yeah, you know, but. But again, they've got a ton of weapons, and I'm real curious to see the impact of this new head coach. He's got a certain zen to him that that people seem to rave about. We'll see, at least until the losses start piling up. Yeah, true. the same thing about Dan Campbell. What a guy! I Wouldn't you run through a guy. wall for that guy? <laughs> oh, wait, they're one and nine? Never mind. <laughs> it's true. You know? Uh, then Monday night, uh, the week one schedule gets capped off in Seattle. Russell Wilson and the Broncos in Seattle wow. against his former team. Sign first time out, first NFL game Sign he's playing outside up. of Seattle, and it's against Seattle. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Tyler Lockett, former teammate, Seattle wide receiver, is kind of imploring Seattle fans, the 12s. To cheer him on. Quote, at the end of the day, I get it. It's football. It's competitive. You never want to see people leave, but you got to understand that everybody has to do what's best for them. And that's what you have to be able to understand about this life is you have to cheer people on. You can't get mad that people go to another team and this and this and this. We're fans, right? So we learn it the hard way. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to separate the man from the player. And you've got to understand that everybody's doing what's best for them. And all you can do is hope that they win and cheer for them to win. So that's how I really feel about it. I think Seattle should cheer him on for everything he's done, help bring a Super Bowl to this community, and all that different type of stuff. He's an amazing guy. Well, uh, what a listen, nice sentiment. It's it's a beautiful sentiment. It's not really football like, but I do think that his his primary point is accurate. I th- I think Russell Wilson gave so much to Seattle and meant so much to Seattle that I don't think he should be viciously booed as the enemy or as a traitor. 
No. But at the same time, you don't want to make them too comfortable. No. It, it, it basically, for me, would be, a, hey, you know, the first possession for the Broncos when the PA announcer comes on and says, that quarterback for the Broncos, right. number three, Maybe Russell Wilson. Quick standing ovation. Nice ovation, right. and then boom, it's that's, on. That's how you do it. But I'll tell you what, I think Russell Wilson's getting off easy here. Because Seahawks fans, the 12s have not seen Seahawks football, what it looks like long term without Russell Wilson at quarterback. Right. So they're getting week one of Geno Smith. If the Broncos rolled through town in like week 12 or 13 and they had to go through 11 games prior of Geno Smith at quarterback, they'd be a lot more surly. A I think more they're angry be, about the I whole think thing. they're going to be in well, a much better mood on, on Monday night. I, I, I honestly think that the mutuality of it all led to Russell Wilson leaving. If Pete Carroll said, Russ, whatever you want, you want to throw the ball, whatever you want to do, man, I, I'm just, I am riding your coattails. If he would have said that, Russell Wilson would have never left. But I think there was a mutuality door. They're like, you know what? We're, yeah, that we're whole, tired of this dude. That whole Les Russ Cook movement. Yeah, and right. like, oh, we got to get back to power football. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Well, so I, just, I will say that. Again, how, how many years was Russ in Seattle? 15, not 15. 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's like Brady and Belichick. It's very much. Eventually, like it. it just kind of yes. just wears out your yeah. wall. Yeah. Jerry yeah. Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, that kind of Abbott stuff. Abbott and Costello. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Martin and Lewis. Uh, right. Yeah, Martin. Bickley and Mar- uh, yeah, No, right. wait, what? Right. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll hit the big stories of the day. Sarah will take us through the Rush Hour reboot. Ruthless. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. A very, very happy Wednesday to all of you listening right now. A very happy Shenanigans Wednesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It is 7.30, so that means it is time for the Rush Hour Reboot, where we take you through the top stories of the day. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! Vince Murata. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? And Jared Carlin. Look, double D's have worked good in Phoenix. It's one of the, it's one of Phoenix mottos. We love double D's. What? Wow, where did that come from? We're talking about Darnell Dockett and Doug Davis. Oh, and of course. Various players that we've had. Devin yeah. Durant. No, no, that one didn't work, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, big time. Big time players there. Okay. Uh, let's get into the top stories of the day. We're starting with the Arizona Cardinals as we are now four days out from their season opener against Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City. And the Cardinals uh, have put out another edition of their web show, Flight Plan, which is an all-access look at the team uh, in the lead-up to the regular season. Now, in this episode, Michael Bidwell said this of his head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's more relaxed. He's more comfortable in the position. He knows he can have success, and he's had success. And I'm I'm super excited for our future because he is a great coach, and it's really great to see him so comfortable in the position. And I'm, I'm super excited for him and for us because I think we've got a very bright, bright future. All right. Very positive words about his head coach. But who has more room to grow this season? He talked about growth for Cliff Kingsbury. Who has more room to grow this year, Cliff or Kyler Murray? Ooh, 
That's a good question. Well, because I think that the the player always um, outranks the coach in in any sport. I know it's probably closer in football, particularly with the element of play calling. I would say Kyler Murray's got more potential because I think I think he can be one of the all time greats. Um, I, but I think Cliff has got a lot of things he's got to prove as well. Yeah, I think long term you're hitting on it, Vic. Um, Kyler's ceiling for for greatness, I think, is higher. But I think this year the answer might be Cliff mm-hmm. because you know what he needs to do in guiding this team is very clear, and that is to have consistent success, not just you know stretches of success at the beginning of the season and fade. We right. we all want to see you know a, a strong finish by the Cardinals, and he's up. It's up to him, you know, in a, in a large degree to engineer that and, yeah. and to perform better in the high leverage situations yes, yes. To, to call better plays to have a better plan to utilize timeouts better to, to kind of not turn it into a fire drill that yeah. we've seen right uh, Kyler Murray also spoke on this latest edition of flight plan and he spoke specifically about his leadership style as the quarterback and his mentality of course without saying it talking about the homework clause situation I know nothing different that's the thing like you know I don't you can't play this position and not have that type of mentality. I mean, you just set yourself up for failure. But you know, this is this is what I've dreamed of doing. Lead, you know, leading the organization to the Super Bowls. Well, obviously, we haven't been there yet, so I'm gonna continue to strive for that. And like I said, we win one, I will continue to strive for another one. But that's just my mentality, regardless of all the stuff that was said, uh, all the stuff that I dealt with this offseason. My main mission is to is to win Super Bowls, play this game that I love. So yeah, I'm ready to go now. Uh, an explosion at the end there. Uh, <laughs> hope everyone's okay. Well, it, it, you know, you've, if you've seen those flight plans before, they often they intercut yeah. the quote, sometimes in the middle of a quote with various uh, scenes and music yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So I had to, some editing there. Absolutely. Thank you for the behind-the-scenes look, Jarrett Carlin. Uh, what will <laughs> Kyler Murray have to do this year to shake the homework clause fiasco? What, what will he have to look like or what will he have to accomplish to shake that? I, I think on the surface, it's win a playoff game. He's been there. Um, he was terrible. The team was terrible in that first playoff game. Getting there and repeating a bad performance doesn't cut it. I mean, it, it, you got to take ne- the next. It, yeah. It's all about the next step. The next step is winning a playoff game and, and finding ways to win in late November and December. I think that that is really the platform for this entire, the proving ground and the platform for this entire organization from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And and that is why is it that this team has been so good to start seasons and so bad to end? What is what is that mystery really all about? Uh-huh. Let's go to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ian Kennedy had his sixth blown save of the season last night. A 6-5 loss to the Padres in San Diego. The Diamondbacks went into the ninth with a 5-4 lead. Ian Kennedy loaded the bases. Two of those guys reached on walks. Ouch. And then with two outs, Jorge Alfaro hit a single that uh, scored two to end the game. Tori Lovello, the D-backs manager, uh, yesterday on his weekly visit on the Burns and Gambo show. So uh, before the game, he spoke about the team's recent bullpen struggles. We do play the what-if game, um, but we do have what we have. We will allow these guys to go out and perform. You know, how are we going to develop young bullpen arms in our system? That has been a big conversation that we've had uh, inside of the, inside of my office about do we develop inside of inside of our system? Um, 
Do we go out and get guys? We're still trying to figure out that balance as to how we build a very successful bullpen. I shouldn't have said recent bullpen struggles, consistent bullpen struggles. Mm -hmm. Guys, is it finally time, after seeing how last night ended up, to try Madison Bumgarner in the bullpen, or is it too soon to go there? I don't think he'd have a chance in hell of succeeding there. Uh, I, I I think he's been throwing meatballs recently, so that's not where I would turn. I, I think it's a fascinating um, concept. Can we really grow homegrown closers? Because most pitchers do not enter Major League Baseball with the role of being a relief pitcher. True. Because uh, you don't make a ton of money there. Closers do. But to, to be a closer, you kind of have to climb the ladder of being a relief pitcher. And generally, that evolution takes place when you're in the bigs, when you're a guy that can't make it as a starter and you want to keep your big league job and it, it kind of grows that way. The idea of try to have part of your minor league program to developing closers, I'm not sure I've ever seen that done. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. And, and have they ever done it? Jung Young Kim. Yeah, I mean, he was one young clo- who came but, up in, in that role. But but he wasn't, I mean, he, he didn't, he, he played Pacific Rim baseball. Yeah, that's true. He was established. Yeah. Even though he thing, wasn't a major league The closest player. thing they ever did was by accident with Archie Bradley. I was after, just going to say. After trying him as a closer and then trying him as middle relief. Well, he started he as a starter. As a, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, starting him as a starter and then yeah. middle relief. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Um... So how do we fix this? Because generally it's these eighth inning guys that, that you go, oh, that guy's got, like even Brad Ziegler came up and like even though he wasn't prototypical, it was like every other guy he was facing was grounding into double plays. Right. You're like, okay, we could use this guy. It's a, it, but you start, it, you put the young, really talented guy, you start him off as the eighth inner when you have the veteran closer, and then eventually the eighth inning guy takes over and they just haven't done that. They don't really have an eighth inning guy either. Oops. Right. Flip flop those. <laughs> I don't think it's fixable this year. It might be one of those things where, uh, you know, an off season to rest everybody's mind because Melanson and Kennedy are both struggling, mm-hmm. and they've both very recently had great success in that role. I mean, Melanson was one of the best closers in baseball last year, and it's bullpen. Psychology will will drive you nuts if you think about it. And I yeah. can't imagine like the task of putting one together every year. Melanson's entire career, though, is being a great closer and then an awful closer. Yeah, there's definitely That's why been he's been on like up, ups and downs. Yeah. There we go. We're all rebooted. Thank you, yeah, Sarah. You Rush Thank hour you. reboot every morning at seven thirty. Coming up next, more on Kyler Murray and his pecking order, where his place in the pecking order mm-hmm. among NFL uh, quarterbacks going into twenty twenty two. We'll tell you more next. Quickly, Murata mornings, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Just continue to uh, to progress like we have. I think the big deal now is finishing um, strong. You know, it's a long season, and um, however it goes, that last month is what's going to decide. You know, whether you play deep into the playoffs or not. And I think that's where we've all um, not played as well and coached as well as we would have liked. And, and we got to grow together and be better in, in that phase. But he's done everything you can to this point. When, when you look at where this organization has come from, what he's done, uh, win wise, stats wise, all those things. And, and now we're just hoping we can take the next step and, and play into the playoffs. Cliff Kingsbury on with Wolf and Luke yesterday here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, on what he expects from Kyler Murray in year four. 
it's no longer an experiment, Bick, when uh, both of those guys have been extended contract contractually. <laughs> it's moved past experiment phase, and this is a long-term deal now oh, yeah. uh, for both of them. Um, so, yeah, Kyler Murray is very important to what the Cardinals want to accomplish. But, you know, now that he is in the upper echelon of the higher-paid quarterbacks in the league, with great money comes great responsibility and great, uh, you know, great pressure at that at that position. I think you know when when twenty twenty one ended and there was the pecking orders of, of quarterbacks and we saw them all off season. Kyler Murray was usually somewhere between ten and fourteen on those lists. That can't be the results. Ty- Kyler Murray, you, you get paid like a top. Three, four quarterback, you got to play like one. Yeah, no, this is this is the disconnect. When you take a look at the range in which the Cardinals are showing up on power rankings, anywhere between ten and twenty-two, weird range for a team that is identified and paid a quarterback as an elite franchise quarterback. Uh, Kyler Murray's getting more money than Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep that in context. And and yet, when you take a look at the evolution of quarterbacks, uh, for the longest time, this was Tom Brady's league, and then it became Patrick Mahomes' league, and now it seems to kind of feel like it's Josh Allen's league. In fact, uh, of the NFL game day crew, Rich Eisen, Steve Mariucci, Kurt Warner, Michael Irvin, Cynthia Freeland, and Rachel Bonetta, all six of them have the Bills winning the Super Bowl. All of them? Every last one of well, them. Well, with their history of locking up those championships, Whoops. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. They're definitely though the hot team. Them and Josh Allen MVP. Yeah. That's like this. All the buzzes around that team yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, and so, so that to me, that to me is interesting, and it it kind of shows you what people now think of Josh Allen. There was a time when people wondered about Josh Allen as a rookie. There was a lot of rawness to his game. Right. There was a lot of inaccuracies to to the passing game that, that I don't think a lot of people. But he's grown into it. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. And his leadership component is off the charts. You look at some other uh, young quarterbacks. I think you can still call Lamar Jackson young, seeing that he hasn't even gotten his second contract yet. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that he's an elite franchise quarterback. I think you look at Justin Herbert, and there's really no doubt that he is either. There's nothing really standing in his way, and yet Kyler Murray, there there is things standing in his way. So that that to me is is part of the fascination of this season. Mm -hmm. There's it's it could be a hard left, could be a hard right. Steven Ruiz from the uh, Ringer put together this great piece, a very, very comprehensive piece ranking the quarterbacks of the NFL, and he used the same grading scale or the same categories to grade each quarterback on. Those grades, accuracy, arm talent, creativity, decision-making, pocket presence, and pre-snap to come up with an overall grade. Not surprisingly, he's got Aaron Rodgers number one overall with a grade of 96.2. Patrick Mahomes, two. Uh, Josh Allen, excuse me, Justin Herbert, three already. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady, four. Josh Allen, five. All right, you might be thinking, where does Kyler Murray end up on this list? Keep scrolling. Russell Wilson, six, 87.5. Dak Prescott, 87.3 is number seven. Lamar Jackson, eighth, 86.9. Joe, Joe Burrow, ninth. And then by four tenths of a point, he, uh, he beat out Kyler Murray for that spot. Kyler Murray, tenth. 86.4. Um, he's got a 93 for accuracy, 95 for arm talent, 96 for creativity, and then the and then the marks drop a little bit. 80 for decision making, 70 for pocket presence, 
75 for pre-snap. Mm. For an overall grade of 86.4. He lists creativity as his biggest strength and his biggest weakness as what we all know. Well, pocket presence. Yeah. And, and that pre-snap rating, that would, uh, that I would say that that's another function of the independence. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at the other top 10 quarterbacks yeah. in that category, uh-huh. pre-snap, Joe Burrow, 90. The gift Lo- that keeps on, Joe Burrow, 90? Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry, 80. Um, Dak Prescott, 95. Russell Wilson, 75. Josh Allen, 76. Tom Brady, 100. Justin Herbert, 80. The only guy in the top 10 with a lower pre-snap read, uh, pre-snap grade than, than Kyler Murray was Lamar Jackson at 65. But you could also wow. just argue, I, I thought the same exact thing with pre-snap, independent study of denim, they're tied together. But with more experience, the more you see, the more looks that are thrown at you yeah, when you come to that I line. Guess. And let's not forget, I guess it was very, very small sample, but Kyler Murray got the call about four or five drives. He was the play caller in the preseason. Uh-huh. That could change the way you, you look at things. It may be, and maybe maybe it kind of will help his perspective a little bit. I, I think, I, I don't know how much good that can actually have, but I, I do think there are certainly areas in which Kyler Murray has to get better. The uh, Because if he ever does get that component, I mean, it, it might be lights out. That's what, That's really what everyone is banking on. They're banking on there's a growth potential to Kyler Murray that few other quarterbacks can claim. Mm-hmm. And so you, you hope it all comes together for him. It, he's he's certainly sounding like like he's like he's ready. But again, it, everybody sounds that way at this point in time in a football season. Yeah. One of the other things that I, I won't call it shocking, but I was somewhat startled to see this at number 11. He's got Matthew Stafford, the reigning Super Bowl winning quarterback. Uh, behind Kyler Murray with an overall grade of 85.9. Again, Murray had 86.4. There's also a section where you click on resume. Matthew Stafford has as many Super Bowl rings as he does Pro Bowl appearances. He's made one Pro Bowl in his entire career. Wow. How does that happen? Which people say, oh, he played in Detroit. You know how many quarterbacks get shuttled through Pro Bowl rosters? And they all count as Pro Bowl appearances. I would not have known that. That's interesting. Because it's I don't always, think Matthew Stafford cares. No, I mean not he, now. He's got he's got a ring. Yeah, <laughs> not now. But you're right. That's that's an odd thing. Yeah. So because St- Kyler Murray's already got two of them, right? Yeah. Stafford uh, at eleven. Matt Ryan twelve. Derek Carr thirteen. Trevor Lawrence already fourteen, and Kirk Cousins fifteen. That's uh, it's a pretty interesting list. Am I crazy? That thinks that Justin Herbert is getting too much love too quickly. Why? Based on what? Based what, on what, what flaws do you see in his game? I'm going to counter that by saying, based on what is he getting so much love? Because he had, he had a, a you collapse of games last year. Yeah, but it, he had a collapse at the end of the season too, where the team didn't want to make in the playoffs. Uh, I I think. I mean, look, he's he's very talented and very good. I'm just surprised that he's already catapulted into the upper echelon of, of quarterbacks. I somewhat agree with you. I was wrong on Justin Herbert. I did not think he would be a good Me quarterback. Either. I thought he'd be one of those guys that had all the tools and couldn't put it together. Mm-hmm. Chargers haven't played a playoff game yet. Um, and to Jarrett's point, to well, have him on this list based on, but based on these grades, to have him three uh, above... Um, 
um, Josh Allen at number five. I and mean, he was second in yeah. the entire NFL in interceptions. I, last I think year. it's just the way he slings the ball, his size, his pocket presence. He's got a flair for the dramatic. He's got a he had any number of wild, miraculous comeback kind of games. Keep in mind, Brendan, Brendan Staley had a tie in a playoff berth in the palm of his hand. And he called timeout, and the Raiders kicked a field goal, and that was it for the Chargers. Remember how briefly it was the fun and exciting that ever. was? It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen a coach do. <laughs> it's right up there. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, and and I, I keep forgetting about that we had that story. Then the Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott end of that playoff game. It's it, the running the ball at the well, middle. Yes. Of what you realize is that we have not cornered the market on drama in Arizona. It's everywhere. Yeah. And it's back. And it's back. <laughs> it's not a bank. Coming up next, Bick's got your blast to kick off the second Let's half of the it. show. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.